Welcome to Interviews on the Edge, a podcast from Church on the Edge. This is your host, Dan Armistead, and I invite you to join me as we hear the stories and share the lives of ordinary people from around the world, people just like you and me, the people who are following Jesus on the edge. Today I'm talking with children's author Darren Farrell. Darren has written several children's books, including Thank You, Octopus, which is my personal favorite, and one called Letter Town, which we're going to ask him about a little later, some opportunities coming out of that book. And Darren has a great story to tell, not only about his journey, but about the journey his family has been on as well. With that in mind, let's just get started. And Darren, welcome to Interviews on the Edge. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to see your face again. You too, man. I tell you what, I don't know that either one of us knew when we would get back from Korea, but it really wasn't too far apart that we both ended up stateside. I think part of me is still in Korea. I mean, man, I really miss miss Seoul a lot. So I do too. I really do. I, I love living where we're at here in Florida, but I miss the craziness of Seoul. I miss, uh, I, sometimes I even miss the traffic and the subways, but I, I miss Seoul. Korea is such a great place. And I, le- I definitely left my part of me in Seoul, my stomach. I miss <laughs> Korean food a lot. We're trying to recreate it at home. I spent hours making mandu. All right. Try that. Now, What we've done before all the COVID-19 hit, we were going to a Korean-American church every week after church, just like in the Korean churches, they'd have these big meals with some of the best kimchi, because those little Korean ladies here make the greatest kimchi, and it'd be a mix of stuff like mandu, fried chicken, American casseroles, and Korean all mixed together. Good idea. I know there are a couple of Korean churches not too far from our house. Well, you guys need to visit one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I know a little bit about your story. I know this. I know you didn't start out as a children's author. So just kind of tell us about what you were doing before you became an author of children's books. Yeah, I worked in New York City in advertising on the creative side, so creating television ads and print ads and websites and that kind of thing. I have always loved children's literature and uh, picture books, and I had an idea for a book while I was working in advertising, and I just crazily started to try to turn that little dream into a reality and started writing the story and trying to convince uh, friends who were artists to work with me and none of them would. So then I started making the art and people started to like that artwork. And and yeah, it kind of turned into a book. People took me under their wing in New York and sort of like we had a friend of a friend that's, you know, these little miraculous God moments where it's like, oh, uh, I have a friend who's an editor and like, you should show this to that person. And that person likes me for whatever reason and starts to kind of help me figure out how to shape a book pitch. Uh, and then another friend of a friend that sort of connected me with an agent and it was a really fun process, long, you know, a lot of hard work, but eventually I had the blessing of being able to sell a two book deal and kind of start that little career. It felt like God was opening and closing and that kind of started focusing more on writing books and stepped away from advertising and started freelancing, 
step back into advertising a little more. And my, my work and book careers have been sort of fighting and wrestling with each other for many years. And, and what I've come to learn, I guess, faith-wise, is God has a plan. God's always taking care of us. We're by no means rich, but we get our daily supply of bread. And, and we're, I'm just so thankful for that. And it's comforting to know that you know, God brought us all the way from New York City to Seoul, South Korea, and we still felt taken care of, and we had that daily bread. And it was, it was a shock. We only kind of intended to be there for one year of an adventure, and we felt so blessed in Seoul. We stayed for seven years, and then we decided it was time to move home. And again, and so I had started out in Seoul um, just making picture books and then took a job with a school that my son was going to and my wife was working at. Loved it. Really loved being a part of that school. It was very hard to leave, but we thought it was the right time to take our son back and be near family and just participate in American life and sports. So again, we sort of like I quit a job at this school, just like I quit the job at advertising in New York because we felt led to pursue this path. And again, we're getting our daily bread. We're by no means making it rich or anything, but some of the times that's frustrating. But I think those during those frustrating times, you lean on God even more. And I feel like our faith, my faith walk personally has, has been uh, improved by these tough times. And uh, COVID has, has also been another one of these tough times. We moved back just in time for this, this quarantining and, yeah. and all this stuff. And uh, so, so you stepped out in faith in all of this and things just uh, opened up, you know, God provided. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that, you know, has a dream, whether it's a children's author or anything, it could be something simple. You know, I like to talk about ordinary people because I know you consider yourself an ordinary person. I'm certainly that, but there's a lot of people that feel like maybe I'm in a dead end job. I really would love to be doing this. Is there anything you'd say to somebody if they came to you and say, Darren, what advice would you give me? I mean, I know we don't have the answers for them. But what, what would you say? How would you encourage somebody? Well, I, I was going to joke and say, quit tomorrow. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, so this is a crossroad I've hit several times in my life. And probably at it again right now because COVID has kind of slowed down. I have a lot of books in different phases. But I feel like you need to do something that you're passionate about and that you care about and that you love. Yeah. My mom likes to remind me not everyone has the blessing of being able to do that. Not and true. even me, I need, you, you do have to be practical and responsible. But I feel like if you pray about it and you feel like you're paying attention to where God's leading you and pay attention to doors that are opening and closing. You know, for instance, when we moved back to North Carolina, I thought advertising doors would open up yeah. for me. Yeah. But there have been a lot of doors that have closed in my face that I felt like God put this person in my life or this person in my life. Yeah. What a great opportunity. This is definitely happening. Mm. And then a door will get slammed and you're like, well, I guess that's not happening. Yeah. And so God has another plan. And I think it's important. We don't know what God's plan is for our life. We can just pray and focus on what he, we feel like he's leading us to do, what doors he's opening for us. And, uh, you know, don't lose faith. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of the proverb. I can't think of exactly which one it is, but people make their plans, but God directs our steps. And you said something about, when I listen to you talk about Oh, and this opportunity opened up and these book deals came and all the, and I think about when we went to Korea in 2008, we got to Korea, the housing crisis hit. 
we had invested in a pretty nice house in North Atlanta and actually took a, a pretty good chunk of inheritance money to get in and have a decent payment. But it was the second fastest growing county in the United States at the time. So we thought, hey, this is a great investment. Well, and, you know, God called us to Korea. We were certain of that. We knew that. And we got to Korea and no houses were selling in our county. In fact, there were whole subdivisions of spec houses that contractors had built that were going under. Meanwhile, we're in Korea and we're hearing all these stories from people. Oh, we put our house on the market and sold the next day. And oh, God did this and God did. And I'm thinking, what about us, Lord? You know, uh, plus, you know, we, we were given the impression, oh, when you get here, we know you're a two-income family with Sherry as a nurse. There'll be a job for you on the Army base. And there was after 17 months. Meanwhile, it was a very good man. I think you may have known John, one of our members, that was executive director. But uh, John said, you know, Pastor Dan, I think you need to do something you don't want to do. You need to declare bankruptcy. And we did. And it, it was a harrowing experience for me. Mm. But, but I look back on that and, and I compare what happened to us with the quote unquote miracles that happened to these other people. And I think, you know, we're no worse off for it. Sherry got her job. Uh, it has been great as we come back to the U.S. She's still working in this federal government job as a nurse. God is blessing. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, however God works in our lives, even through some of those harrowing experiences, he does have a plan, like you said, and he's working it out. We just have to trust him to do that. And that's not always easy, but, you know, it's best. And I think, too, I've been reading through the Bible, and I'm in Psalms now, which I'm working toward a picture book based on Psalms. But yeah, you know, uh, you think about Paul, you praise God when you have much, you praise God when you're in jail, you praise, you know, there's no situation in which you should not praise God in which he's not in charge of your life. And so right now we might feel a little pinched financially. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. God doesn't promise you a daily vacation. He promises you daily bread. Yeah, yeah. So you love what blessings God puts in your life. And that's mm-hmm. all you need to focus on. And, the, you know, I'm reading the Psalms too. You know, I've read the Psalms here and there, but I've never read straight through the Psalms before. Mm. I always had this feeling of the Psalms like life-giving book in the Bible. But there is a lot of pain in, written oh, into the Psalms. Oh, there is, yeah. Bringing you low to reveal something special. So, you know, again, it's like sometimes you, there are moments in your life when you're under stress and duress, and that's when you see God's blessings at work. Sometimes. You mentioned the Psalms. There is a great YouTube with Bono of U2 and Eugene Peterson before he passed away, talking about the Psalms. And and it's so cool because at one point Bono's like, yeah, you know, I, I like listening to the different worship music from the Psalms. He said, but nobody, nobody ever takes those Psalms where they're crying out in pain and, and asking God, why are you doing this to me? He says, I'd really like to see more like that. And I get it, you know, because we're not always on the, oh, Lord, just praise you. I mean, I've been there a lot of times. Lord, what are you doing to me now? And I'm doing the same thing with this children's book. I'm peeling away bone-strengthening psalms. Obviously, children don't want to, you know, I don't know how big of a market there would be for a children's book 
shouting at God, asking God. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sort of, I'm sort of falling into the thing that uh, Bono. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think everything has its own time and place and purpose. But at any rate, let me go back to something else. You're talking about, uh, you know, things maybe being a little tight. And I say the same thing's probably true for us. A little bit of difference being since I'm older than you, I'm drawing my social security, but I never planned on it this early. And I really, I want to go back to work. For me, the bread and butter are those conferences in Asia here speaking. Can't do any of that now because of COVID. But our wives, aren't they awesome? I mean, they're working. My daughter was watching some TV show recently, and she was laughing at us when she visited some time back. She said, Dad, on this particular show, wife ended up making more money than the husband, and she was called the breadwinner, and they called him the bread loser. And she said, Dad, you're the bread loser. So we're kind of like the bread losers. But how, how has Caroline been in this whole process with you? I mean, how has she responded to all these things? We were both under God's blessing in Seoul. I left a really, really well-paying advertising job. So up until we moved to Seoul, I was the breadwinner, yeah. you know, making you know, vastly more money than Caroline. Yeah. And we just thought, one year. I'll quit for one year, make this second book while we're in Korea, and we'll move back. And then we moved to Seoul and we realized her salary in Seoul was sort of like equivalent to my salary in New York. Mm. Plus, being part of an international school, we had our housing paid for. We didn't have one single bill. That was like one of those situations that we stepped into and we're like, God, what have you done? What is this? Where did we, you know, thank you. And I sold another book and then another book. So for a couple of years, I just worked on books and pretty fruitful. Yeah. And then I ended up joining the school. So we sort of... And, and again, sort of like when we left New York, it's a real leap of faith, moving halfway around the world, not knowing exactly what you're going to get into. Yeah. We did the same thing. It's like we, I quit, we both quit our jobs with the school. Yeah. She had one lined up here at a school in North Carolina. Mm. I didn't have anything lined up at all. Mm. So it's a really big leap of faith. Mm. And, you know, we're still kind of navigating. Like I had a great book deal. It's coming out this April. I I'm working on a big project with audible.com. So like a first series of a television show that I had been pitching, but it's going to be like a podcast right now. And just a bunch of different books pitching. It's not like we're just totally high and dry, right? but it's not like we're totally making it. Right. Right. Uh, and that's totally fine. You know, that's, you know, that's. So the podcast, you know, tell us a little bit about the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have all my books right beside me here. So I'll show you. The book is called Letter Town. Okay. Was my latest book. And the podcast is going to be starring this little guy here, Detective D. Okay. In Lettertown, all the, le- all the characters are the shape of the first letter of their job. So you have like artist A and ballerina B and underwear model U and stuff like that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so Detective D is just a terrible detective. And the basic premise for the show is that in each episode, a new letter person shows up, and we don't know who they are, but they're doing something that has to do with their job. But Detective D doesn't really pick up on that, and he thinks they're up to no good. And so he starts investigating them, and he has a lot of wrong answers based on... He knows that their name starts with the letter G, for instance, but he doesn't know what they are. And so the idea is that the kids uh, listening or watching on the television show would be 
junior detectives playing along with him and helping him kind of get to the right place. So that's fun. Uh, we're just going to be starting that soon. It hasn't started production yet, but I have 13 episodes of, I'll be writing and you know, maybe doing a voiceover on. We'll yeah, see. I love it. Uh, in fact, I'll have to listen to that because as I mentioned earlier, Thank You Octopus is one of my favorite books. And wh- while we're talking about books, would you mind doing a little reading of either that one or maybe another one if you choose? Yeah, yeah, for so sure. People can kind of hear them. I wish I could read the one. We have one coming out in April. There, the, the book is called Dandelion Magic. You can pre-order it now, but it comes out in April. Okay. It's called Dandelion Magic. And the idea is my son, his name is Jonah, is sort of, he's woven into the book. And his grandmother has told him about what happens when you find a dandelion and you blow on it, that you can make a wish. And the wishes come true if it's a magical dandelion. So he does that. And the reader helps him. The reader does the blowing and some of the wishing. Mm. And he goes on this adventure and it's really crazy. It's a really fun read aloud. It's funny. There's some adventure. It's kind of sweet and magical with the Nana and Jonah. So, but I'll read a little bit of Thank You Octopus. So it's all about a boy and an octopus. They live on a tugboat together. Their tugboat kind of travels around the world, but in this book, they're in New York City. So they're in the Hudson River in New York City. And this is their home. So they like live on this little tugboat. And so it's about a boy and an octopus who are best friends getting ready for bed. And the octopus, he's a lot like my good friend in New York, Pete. Uh, and Pete likes to play pranks on people to this day, and he's hilarious. He plays pranks on people, but they still love him. Not a, <laughs> not a mean pranker, just like this octopus. Yep. And so it's all about, you know, sort of like, bedtime ahoy! <laughs> excited to get ready for bed. The boy wants to stay up late, so he says, oh, pickles. <laughs> and then the octopus um, kind of picks him up and carries him toward the bathroom, and he says, but I made you a nice warm bath. And the boy says, thank you, octopus. <laughs> and the octopus says, I made you a nice warm bath of egg salad. Woohoo!" <laughs> jump into this bathtub filled with eggs and mayonnaise and pickles and mustard. And the boy says, oh, gross. No, thank you, octopus. <laughs> and then they're sitting in the bathtub and the octopus is eating the bath water, I must point out. And the octopus sees that his friend is a little bit upset and he says, Sorry, I'll dry you off. And the boy says, thank you, octopus. And the octopus says, with my tuba. (laughs) Dries him off with the tuba. You can see the egg salad flying off the boy. And the boy says, whoa, no thank you, octopus. (laughs) And sort of like the story of the boy and the octopus getting ready for bed. And the octopus, it keeps seeming like he's about to do something really nice and helpful. And then... He kind of pulls a little joke on the boy and yeah. does something really crazy. And the boy says, no, thank you, octopus. <laughs> and uh, at the very end, I won't spoil the secret, but the boy kind of gets the octopus back. The octopus has a moment where he feels sorry for making his friend so upset. And then the boy gets him back. And then they go to bed and they probably, I, I kind of feel like at the end, the octopus is still being really silly and they probably stay up all night, but you don't get to see that part. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing I like, and that'd be a great bedtime story, by the way, for a kid, but uh, that's the other thing I like is, is there's just an open-endedness to so many of your books. Let me ask you something. If I wanted to purchase these books, where would be the best way? I mean, they're in bookstores. I mean, you definitely on Amazon or the newer ones. You can go to your local bookstore or my local bookstore is Quail Ridge Books. You can go there. You can go on their website and order them. 
They're all available there. I have some of them available on my website, which is just my name, darrenfarrell.com. You can go on that website. I'll sign them and kind of send a little art and stickers and stuff like that with the book. Mm-hmm. But it's a little more expensive because I have to pay for shipping. I'm no Amazon. Right, right. The new book, Dandelion Magic, will be out at all the bookstores anywhere you want. And same with Lettertown is available everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'll be promoting some ebook versions of them shortly. You can okay. find all cool. of them in ebook places. You know, I was thinking too about a scripture. Well, I preached on this in Seoul. We had several people come up and share what they did, what their job was. The scripture that I used, I was preaching through Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And verse 17 sums it up. This is from the New International Version. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and I think the point of that entire message and getting people like you up to share, you know, well, this is what I do. I'm a children's author. I, I work at the embassy or I teach school. Was to simply say, we have a tendency to, to divide the secular and the spiritual. But the reality is that for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it it's all comes together. I mean, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. When you think about your books and your calling to write, we don't have to be overtly Christian every time we read a book or watch a television show. Of course, there are some things we probably want to steer clear of, but at the same time, To me, as followers of Christ, living lives that reflect his goodness in our art, in our work, and whatever it is that we do is is ultimately what makes a difference in our world. And we don't always have to be so overt. People can just see in our lives who we are, ultimately point them to Christ. And I think you're doing that through your books. I'm excited about it. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again for the listeners because I believe it. I just believe you're the next Dr. Seuss, man. (laughs) But whatever you are, whatever whatever you are and whatever you become, man, I'm just excited about what God's doing in your life and your family. Any final words you want to say? Anything else you want to share? Maybe your favorite book or anything else going on that maybe you want our listeners to know about? I'm very excited to watch the new season of The Mandalorian that comes out tonight. Okay. (laughs) Um, Here's a really good suggestion and something that's changed my faith. Not changed my faith 100%, but it's deepened my faith a lot. This year, I just decided to read straight through the Bible. Mm. And I've done it on my Bible app on my phone. So wonderful. A lot of times I do it at night when my wife is already asleep and I don't have to disturb her by using the phone. But what's so wonderful is anytime I hit something where I'm like, what? What does that mean? Where did that come from? I love it. It's just great. I flip over to Safari and search and I read wonderful Christian blogs or a wonderful Jewish blog about what does this verse mean and where does it come from? And so it's great to get a full perspective on the Bible that way. And you're missing out on so much when, when you don't do that. And yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. And I would recommend, I feel like I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Finish and start over again. Yeah, I got to tell you, even as a pastor, having retired after 36 years, of course, I spend a lot of time in study and I prioritize teaching, but I am enjoying just reading the Bible for purely Dan. 
And there's still stuff in there that I'm like, what, what is going on here? And I don't get that Lord. And I, you know, I tell people that that's good because that's a reflection of the God we serve. We can't understand all his ways and there's going to be questions. In fact, there's even going to be, sometimes we're going to struggle with doubts and issues, but that's, a, that's the flip side of faith. Uh, none of us have perfect faith. So, so I think that's great. Billy Graham used to read through the book of Psalms and 31 Proverbs every month, 150 Psalms. I think he did something like five a day. Let me see if the math's right about that. Close enough. He'd do like five a day and then he'd read a Psalm a day. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that with the gospels. I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially John. There's so much in scripture. By the way, I want to show you something and then we'll end. I was going to say, um, Billy Graham, one psalm a day is a good, it feels like sometimes psalms can be overwhelming. If they can be. I might hit a verse and just go, well, I got to stop there. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah, um, I hear you. Here is uh, the Gospel of John. And these two guys uh, who did this, uh, Brian Chung and Brian Chung, they're not related, but they're both named Brian Chung. And they're from the Los Angeles area. It's called the Alabaster Bible. And what they have in here is, uh, let me show you an example. Well, here's a, Jesus feeds the 5,000. They have this like modern artwork and stuff. Painting? So not only do you have, um, that was a, uh, someone hold a piece of bread. Not only do you have scripture, but you have these pictures that go with it that are kind of artist renderings or photographs of the particular passage, the woman caught in adultery. Here's one with a woman, her eyes over her face. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of art that expresses God and his ways. And I think that's something the church really needs to focus more on. I'd like to see more of that in the church. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you. I think we do start early with that kind of thing with our children looking at these drawings, listening to these stories that spark the imagination. And that's what the Bible should do. That's what we are as humans created in the image of God. Yeah, my son has a graphic novel Bible, and he really loves reading it. He really enjoys it. I mean, there are a lot of adventurous things that happen, happen in our Bible, and he really enjoys it. Yeah. Well, man, it's been great talking to you today. This podcast will be out. I'll let you know when. So in the podcast today, I just want to say thank you for listening to all of those who have uh, had the opportunity to listen today. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are in this great, big, beautiful world, you may feel ordinary, but when you follow Jesus Christ out on the edge, you can do some extraordinary things and know God's deep blessings in your life. So this is Dan Armistead signing off with Darren Farrell, and we have enjoyed this time today. Thanks again for listening, and uh, talk to you next time. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead, rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider, And you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following him as his church on the edge.